Hello and welcome to IG's Decoding the Markets. I'm Victoria Scholar and with me on the pod today is Hans Redeker, Global Head of Foreign Exchange Strategy at Morgan Stanley and Nick Hawley, who's an analyst at Daily FX. Thanks so much to both of you for being here. Now let's start with the dollar because 2018 has really cl- clearly seen a return to the greenback after a very challenging 2017. So where do you think we go next, Hans? So I think that you have to make a suggestion which market you are talking about. The US dollar is no longer moving in universal terms. You see that uh, euro dollar is now trading three big figures uh, around, three big figures above its highs. At the same time, you see that the Australian dollar is under continued selling pressure. You have uh, emerging markets uh, in uh, trouble. You have uh, significant emerging market outflows. You have a concentration of liquidity in the United States of America. You have a huge uh, divergence in volatility when you compare asset markets in the United States with asset markets uh, in emerging markets. And again, that you compare that uh, Europe and in particular Japan have uh, significantly increased their holdings uh, in U.S. dollars and uh, those holdings are held uh, in the uh, corporate bond market and into the equity market. Our concern is what is going to happen when at one point uh, the U.S. uh, equity market is going to follow volatility you already see in other markets. Under those circumstances, you will see liquidation of those assets, and therefore I think that low-yielding currencies are in a different environment. It is no longer that you can talk universally about the U.S. dollar. Another big theme this year for markets has, of course, been trade tensions. And it's been interesting to see the price action around the dollar when investors get nervous, sentiment turns to risk off, and the dollar actually gets a boost. So, Nick, how do you think we should go about trying to price in these trade tensions into the greenback? Yeah, it's a good point. Um, it, it is strange that every time that Donald Trump sort of ramps up the sort of the trade rhetoric, the the, the dollar gets a, a sort of secondary bid. You know, it's already reasonably built bid on a sort of strong monetary policy. I think that my one worry for the dollar would be that if this sentiment that has been uh, giving the safe haven bid, as it were, to to the dollar from President Trump's actions suddenly turns sour, and if people start to look at other uh, other risk-off assets, you know, if, if it go back, maybe go back to gold, or you may, you know, you may look at some other assets, or that Swiss franc comes back into into vogue. And I think that's when we could get a potential turning in the dollar. On the other side of the trade wars, of course, is the yuan in terms of currencies. Of course, that's been depreciating significantly this year. Donald Trump called the China a currency manipulator. Do you think that he has a point? And do you think the yuan will continue its descent? <clears throat> So the quite interesting thing is that uh, the depreciation of the remimbi you're talking about uh, was only setting in on the 15th of June. So before that, the remimbi was quite strong. And uh, it looked like as uh, as Chinese authorities uh, tried to to uh, uh, reduce the impact of a higher U.S. dollar for the region of Asia. So it worked as a type of uh, buffer in the region. And then I think um, two things happened. The U.S. dollar was then turning significantly stronger than Chinese authorities may have assumed when they started that policy in March. And uh, secondly, we did see the, the funding cost in U.S. dollars uh, going significantly higher as uh, presumed in the first place. So on the 15th of June, you did see a significant change in the foreign exchange market. So the Remimbi started to depreciate at a fast pace. And what used to be at that time the focus in the market on Latin American currency weakness, people were trading Mexico short, Brazil short, and so all of a sudden it stopped 
and the market was turning into Asian currency weakness, so picking Indonesia, picking India, and so forth. So there was a significant uh, change taking place on the 15th of June. And then again, the market changed on the 15th of August. That was when uh, uh, China decided to, to stabilize its exchange rate. But actually, one thing is going to stay or was staying over, over all this, and that was actually that U.S. interest rates were going up. The funding cost in dollars were going up. The dollar is used in many cases for a reference currency as a funding tool on top of that. And that implied that uh, we had uh, implications going beyond America. Let's talk about emerging market currencies in a bit more detail. Obviously, we're feeling the pain from the rise in the dollar. It's leading to a whole host of record lows. Do you think we'll continue to see basket selling in EMFX? Um, basket selling, uh, maybe, I mean, if that's sort of the, the, the easier way to do it. As Hans was saying, you know, they each have their strengths and their weaknesses and, and the different areas of volatility. Um, I think if we, if we continue to have a strong dollar, there are certain currencies that, you know, will be affected. And if we have these continued trade wars with the sort of the Trump trade wars against China, then there will be certain currencies. You know, for example, the Australian dollar will continue to come under selling pressure against the US dollar. And then, you know, what you don't really want to see is to see another Argentina or another Turkey really happening. But it could happen. I wanted to uh, switch on to the Fed now because clearly the central bank is way in front of the pack in terms of monetary tightening and that's leading to big interest rate differentials between the US and the rest of the world. Do you think those will narrow next year and how does that shape your view on currencies? I don't think they're going to narrow, no. I mean, I think we're in a situation that uh, US rates will continue to increase. They'll go up by another uh, three quarters of a percent perhaps over the next year, maybe one percent. Uh, UK interest rates are completely beholden to what happens in Brexit. Um, monetary policy really is a sort of secondary factor. Uh, and the EU at the moment is still trying to work out where it can get some inflation from. Um, and without that, you know, they're stopping QE at the end of the year or they're stopping their bond purchases at the end of the year. It doesn't mean that if, if no inflation is, is there in a year's time that they can restart it. They can well restart it. Um, so I don't think there's going to be an interest rate um, narrowing. I think for choice they will start to widen out further. That does sound to me like uh, if you are talking about a miracle economy in the United States. So <laughs> what we have seen in the United States is a fiscal impulse. And uh, this fiscal impulse is currently working through. So, But you have to renew this fiscal impulse mm. to stay at its current growth rate. So the question is then, what may happen uh, after the midterm election? Is then basically the new uh, uh, House being ready uh, to renew the fiscal bet? And if it doesn't uh, renew the fiscal bet, then you cannot maintain the fiscal pace. And when you're not uh, maintaining the fiscal pace, then uh, things are going to turn. So, and I think that's why we have to debate that we are in an environment of late cycle. And what we are currently seeing is the concentration of liquidity in the United States. In each late cycle of the past, you go back in the 80s, liquidity concentration in Japan, right? And then 10 years later, liquidity concentration in the Rubin dollar. Then 10 years later, liquidity concentration in Europe. Each time when that was happening, people were saying, okay, this time is different. And I think it is not. We are in late cycle. We have a liquidity concentration in the United States, but that is a strong warning signal that uh, the global economy is on verge of slowing down. And if that is going to, to take place, it is going to impact the United States, especially 
if they are not able to renew their fiscal pact. Hans, finally, let's have a quick discussion about Brexit. Clearly, it's been a very volatile year for the British pound and it's been driven by politics. So when does economics begin to retake that driving seat? We had been uh, going long sterling and uh, we are trading that against the Australian dollar. We thought uh, that we got... uh, on the political side, we had um, in Australia, we are heading towards elections there. And on the other hand, we have priced in a lot of that stuff here in the UK. And uh, then in the end of the day, doesn't Brexit just boil down to the question of the Irish border? So what type of Brexit deal do you need to get to avoid the border? That is a key question for me. And uh, that, I guess, uh, points out or values against uh, uh, sterling, which is trading in real effective exchange rate at very, very cheap levels. But that kind of comes to my point. That's politics, really, isn't it, rather than economics? Well, you say that. I mean, investment spending in the, U- in the UK had been a third of what it should be. And there's a reason for that. It's actually the uncertainty. So you have actually to think about, we are, we are heading towards a deal, say to some sort of deal. At that time, you get certainty coming back. If you get certainty back, coming back, do you believe that investment spending here is going to stay one third of what it used to be? No, it is going to have a penned up situation. So I'm bullish on that stuff. I think uh, cable is going to be a 150 trade next year. All right, 150 next year <laughs> for cable. <laughs> That's all we have time for today. Thanks so much for listening to IG's Decoding the Markets. I'm Victoria Scholar. Thank you so much to my guests, Hans Redeker, Global Head of Foreign Exchange Strategy at Morgan Stanley, and Nick Hawley, Analyst at Daily FX. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.